Welcome to our Resolute Realtors and Investors from across the country. Today is Thursday, October 28th, 2021, and this is Mastermind Podcast number 351. And last week, we wished Bruce a happy birthday. I want to be the first one to wish you all a happy Halloween. And um, I was going to say something kind of mean, say some of you should go as realtors or investors if you haven't done any business lately. That, that wouldn't be very nice. But uh, no, we seriously hope you all have a good holiday and uh, enjoy it with your families. I think it's a Sunday this year. So um, we do not have anyone in the queue yet. So um Fairly small attendance so far. We'll wait another two minutes or so, let everybody get on before we go there or before somebody jumps in there. Bruce, before we get started and while we kill time, anything you'd like to share? Well, we have foundations coming up this week, and um, and I actually noticed a pretty significant schedule conflict on my calendar a couple of days ago. Um, I'll be emailing out the foundation's announcement um, later uh, within the next couple of days, and uh, there is a schedule conflict. So Thursday, Thursday's call is going to be one that um, that, that I'm going to have to uh, reschedule on you guys. So we're going to kind of decide um, what we're going to be doing and uh, when foundations will take place, and I'll send an email announcement out to everyone in our in our email list. Uh, but it is coming up next week, so please uh, be prepared to jump in if you guys have not or would like to at- haven't attended Probate Foundations before or would like to attend again um, in the future. Okay? And that's all Perfect. I have. All right. Uh, I know Tim is with us now. Tim, what words of wisdom do you have to share? Wow, that's 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 a tall order to live up to. One thing I, <laughs> I would say is that I'm delighted to see that uh, all of a sudden – I think some of the things that we've been talking about and uh, posting about and dealing with has, have begun to drive home to folks, and we're seeing a lot of folks investing pretty directly in uh, getting letters out to talk to people. And uh, you know, I think a lot of people have heard the last several calls we've had that people have been getting some good results, and uh, I'm just gratified to see that we've had a flood of orders come in in the last probably uh, I don't know, well, the last week for sure, and. Uh, you know, business is booming, and, and I think that that's a good kind of a, a thermometer on what's going on in the marketplace, or barometer, rather, about what's going on in the marketplace. We're seeing some changes in the market, and uh, availability is certainly not changing much, but uh, I think we're seeing a little bit of price stabilization in some markets, not certainly all of them, but uh, it's a changing market. But the thing about probate is, obviously, as we all know, that, uh, you know, the only thing sure is death and taxes, and uh, it's a continually evergreen flow. So that's the kind of deal I'm looking at. Things are looking up a little bit, and I think that's a great thing. Absolutely. I was kind of teasing our sales team. Tim and I had a uh, – he met with Bruce, and then he met with me at our headquarters in Cocoa, Florida. And um, I left there, let's see, uh, yesterday morning? Uh, yeah, yesterday morning. And by the time I reached my office, we had like 10 new customers. I said, geez, all we got to do is have a meeting and uh, – it's good for business, so <laughs> we should we should do that more often. But there is something out there. You put your intentions out there to the universe, and it comes back to you. So we hope you – and the point of all this is we hope you guys are seeing the same thing, that um, it's not that the market has been slow. It's just been very one-sided. It's been very heavily a seller's market. So 
it's been a struggle for people that were set and doing their business a certain way. They've had to make some significant adjustments. And, you know, we hope you guys are noticing things shifting just a bit, and we hope they're shifting in your favor. Um, Chuck, anything you want to say? Any words of wisdom, sir? No, I think it's just going back to the the foundations classes. I've been doing the orientations over the, the past month. Um, it's definitely been a good update for folks that are coming in and joining us and are signing up for that uh, foundations class. And I think that's really a good spot for folks to get kicked off to get that six-month plan for success. Absolutely. Well, we do not have anyone in the queue. Um, We've got a pretty good attendance now, guys. We're looking for a winner of the week. Uh, That does have to be probate-specific. We are looking for an idea of the week. Um, I was talking to an investor about an hour ago in in Florida, and she was a little frustrated, and her and I just kind of brainstormed a bit. You know, if what you're doing isn't working, what are you guys doing, and what what is working? What adjustments are you making, whether you're a realtor or an investor, to go get listings? We've, we've mentioned several times, and I don't want to, to beat it into the ground or to beat it into you, but um, if you do work with buyers and sellers, uh, probate leads are an, a really interesting off-market niche that you may be able to use to attract buyers. You know, how many of your buyers have lost one, two, three bidding wars Say to them, hey, I get my probate leads, off-market probate leads, the 15th of every month. Why don't you meet me at my office? Let's go through them. Let's see if there's any in there that are close to what you're looking for. If so, I'll get the seller on the phone, and let's see if we can be the first one in the door. I think it's a really unique approach that may, um, you know, that may give a lot of loyalty uh, to you from the buyers out there because I don't think too many other people are doing that. All right, well, while we did all this chatting, we do have one person in the queue. We do have room for more. Again, just hit star six and hit one. In the meantime, let's go to our queue. First up this week is, all it says is anonymous. Anonymous, you're up. Uh, Hello, can you hear me? Yes, sir. We got you. Uh, Hello, everybody. My name is uh, Mike Calloway. I'm from New York. Uh, hey, Mike. I am a novice investor, but I had a friend that uh, told me about this podcast, and I was very interested because um, I do own real estate, uh, interested in becoming a very well-versed investor. However, uh, probate kind of uh, intrigued me a little bit. Um, my question is, how would someone like myself get more acclimated in uh, my my goal is to I guess try to find properties uh, off market, uh, maybe undervalued, in order to build a portfolio. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, so you're looking to build a uh, an uh, rental portfolio. Yes. Okay. Um, do you also flip or wholesale, or is this primarily for the portfolio? Um, my experience the the brief experience that i have has been more buy and hold uh flipping has been of interest but um not very well versed in that but uh but very interested in different aspects of real estate mm-hmm. so i'm just trying to get my um, feet in the my, door right now so yep 
Yeah, my input, Mike, is uh, it's all going to be how you present your um, kind of your your bottom line real estate question. Um, once you've identified that someone um, is considering selling a property, and they don't even have to tell you that, yeah, we're definitely selling, we're selling next month. So all they have to do is indicate that they are considering selling. Um, and at that point, um, the question that I've asked, and most people have heard me say this many times before, um, but the question is as simple as, uh, would you be open to an offer if I got you one? Would you be open to okay. an offer if I got you one? And that's a good question whether you're an investor or a real estate agent. Um, if you're an agent, just have a couple of investors that you can flip potential deals over to. But the question is much better than uh, than, than going in saying, hey, would you like to see what I could list your house for? Or would you like to see what I could sell your house for? It's, those are just complicated and typically are met with resistance. But uh, almost everybody I say, would you be open to an offer if I got you one or sent you one? Um, they're almost always going to say yes. And as an investor at that point, it just depends on what your buying criteria are. Um, I can tell you what my buying criteria is if I'm looking for a buy and hold like a rental investment. And, and that is um, I will buy between 90 and 95% of uh, what I know for a fact the market value is. Okay, That's a little bit aggressive for some people, um, but that's the first thing that I'm looking for. If I can get a 5 to 10% discount, um, then I'm going to make an offer, and I'm going to try. I'm going to shoot for 90. I'll go as high as 95% as long as – I get a 7% cap with that formula. So if I run that formula and I'm buying a $100,000 house at $90,000, but it's not going to get me a 7%, a 7 cap, uh, then I'm not, uh, I'm going to readjust my offer. But my okay. first filter that I put the property through is, can I get it for 90 to 95% of value? My second filter is, does it get me a 7 cap? And if the answer to that is no, then I'll adjust the offer downward a little bit. If it's yes, so that's going to be my offer. And that's a that's a good deal for me because I just bought a good investment property that's producing a return that I got for a discount. Um, and by the way, I also factor in any commission into the deal. So I know you're not an agent. You wouldn't be making a commission. But if the property was on the market and they were going to pay a 5 or a 6% commission, I take that off as well. So I'll take the 5 five to 6% off that they're not paying in commission plus the 5 to 10% discount. Gotcha. Okay. Now, you might choose to be a little bit more aggressive than that, but me, I want the majority of my offers to be accepted. And that's the range hey, Mike, that I, I need I, to be in. I may, get, I may have missed ahead, it. Jim. Did you say you are... Yeah, I'm sorry. I may have missed it, Mike. Did you say you are a buy and hold investor? You don't. You're not really looking to buy and flip, right? Yes, I wasn't. I flipping interests me, but uh, I'm just a little bit more comfortable now because I am such a novice uh, in buying hold because that's something that I have a little bit experience in. Yeah, and I, the reason I ask, I think it's really an important distinction that Bruce just made there. We tend to. Everybody tends to look for a one size fits all formula. You know, investors, I hear, you know, you got to buy 75% less, you know, of the after repaired value, less repairs. Well, that's if you're going to buy and flip. If you're going to buy and hold, um, you can, you can be much more aggressive at giving a higher price because the interest rates are so low. 
you know, unless you're paying cash, um, the interest rates are so low and the rents are so high, um, you can afford you can afford to pay more and still have it make a lot of sense as a long term investment. And that's what's happening in a lot of these. That's what's happening in a lot of these markets. Like I monitor the foreclosures in my market. And the old days, if I, I I've never bought a lot at the uh, at the courthouse. I've never really bought anything at the courthouse, to be honest with you, because I always found good buy and flips in off market deals. You know that that weren't available to everybody else, but. You know, in the old days, um, you could find some deals at the courthouse. Now, a lot of people have Bruce's formula. You know, a lot of funds are buying. A lot of uh, – on the standard market, they can't find anything. So they're out there paying 90% of what the houses are worth. So you you do have some competition, but if you – but most people, if they're going to list it, you know, if they're at least open to paying a realtor, a 10% – 90% 90% is, is not bad. You're going to have a lot more properties that you're able to buy if you use that formula, 90 or 95, and they're still going to make you know, a lot more sense. Do you have financing lined up, or, or you'll just kind of do it one at a time as you buy them? I was thinking doing it one, one at a time. I also thought about using hard money, but um, mm-hmm. that it, it ranges. It, it varies uh, depending on the company. Yeah, the reason I ask... The reason I ask, we have a an affiliate, and we're just, I mean, we say we're an affiliate because we believe in what they do. There's a company called Navigator Capital. It's GoNavCap, G-O-N-A-V-C-A-P.com. Um, they're really a very, they don't like to call themselves a hard money lender, but that's kind of what they are. But okay. you can get a long-term loan for 6%, which is really reasonable. Uh, most of the hard money you know, flip money out there is 12, you know, 14, 15 percent. Yeah. So six, 6% isn't bad. It really isn't. And, uh, you know, if you go get a traditional loan, you can probably get a lot cheaper, maybe half of that, but you got to jump through a lot of hoops and you got closing costs. And, you know, if you're going to be doing this a lot, um, like Bruce said, it just depends on how much uh, debt the rent will, will cover, you know, in, in on a 30 year yeah. loan, it may not make that much of a difference. So, yeah, just some extra ideas. And Bruce, I think I interrupted you. You had another thought. Thank you. For well, that. no, sure, it, it wasn't necessarily another thought. It's, um, it's it, you're you're just going to have to determine your formula. And I'll tell you that my formula typically leaves a little bit of um, leaves me putting a little bit of uh, of cash into the deal, but not a lot. So if I'm going to get a property for ten, let's let's say ten percent off of provable market value, and in other words, provable market value, I have to know that I know that I know that that house is worth at least X, and if I know that it's worth at least a hundred, potentially a hundred and ten, I'm buying it at ninety. I'm taking off the commission that the seller would have paid, so they would have paid five or six grand in commission. So now I'm really buying it at eighty-four thousand. And then okay. when once it's closed and I go to potentially refinance that property, I'm hoping uh that I can get um I can get my twenty to twenty five percent equity on the refi. In which case I would be able to pull my cash back out. My particular formula doesn't require me to pull all my cash back out. I just get a a good chunk of my cash back when I refi the property, uh, but not all of it. So and Bruce, I like the acronym. All of your I, cash back. Go ahead. Yeah. 
I like the acronym you use. What is it? Burr, like it's called? B-R-R-R? Isn't that what you yeah. use? Yep. yep. Yeah. Wait, yeah, what buy, does that stand for? Um, renovate. Buy. Buy. Renovate. Rent. Refinance. And refinance. Rent, refinance, and repeat. Yeah, yep. There you go. Exactly. He's got an exactly. extra R. He's got one more R than you. <laughs> Good. Yeah. I yeah. like it. It's burr. Um, so if you need to pull, if you're going to try to pull all your cash back out of the deal, then you might want to reduce the cost that they would have paid in commissions and then try to get it for 85 cents on the dollar. Um, gotcha. I usually go 90 to 95, and I'm not worried about taking all my cash back out. Gotcha. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. This has been very All right. Absolutely. Very welcome. Please keep coming back. Uh, we have two more in the queue, and we do have plenty of room for more guys. Hit star six and then hit one. In the meantime, next up is phone number ending in 3992. You're up next. Hi, guys. This is Bob from Minneapolis. Hey, Bob. Hey, Bob. Um my, I got a couple of questions. Uh, one is, do the probate uh, cases have to be completed and before you can negotiate or not negotiate, actually close uh, a purchase transaction? Great That's question. Going to depend on the state that you're in. Yep. Uh, it's going to depend on the state that you're in. Um, the majority of states including what I believe to be yours. Um, you do not have to, uh, you can close on the house before real estate it, or before probate is done. Um, please double check that with a local um, attorney. Yeah. But, um, but, but the, the overwhelming majority of states, you can go ahead and close on the real estate and uh, while probate is still going, as long as the heirs don't take those funds um, they're going to need the funds to go into the estate. And then after probate's done, then, then they'll be distributed. Yeah, and I was going to, I was just going to, I was going to add to that, uh, the way Florida works where I'm at, I think a lot of the states do the same thing. You do have to petition the court to separate the real estate from the probate. In, in Florida, it takes a couple weeks. You just petition the judge, you know, that, hey, here's a contract. We've got this property sold. I want to separate this from the probate. And once the court approves it, like uh, Bruce says, they just make sure that that money goes into an escrow account and doesn't get spent. So the buyer right. can close, get title, you know, he owns the house. And for the seller, you know, they got to wait until the probate's done to get their money, but it's it's one less thing they have to worry about later. You know, as soon as the probate's done, their money's there and you know, and they all get funded. And I think most states have a, a pretty simple process like that. I don't know if there's any of them where it's automatic. Actually, I think Texas is one with the monument of title where you don't even need to do that. You can just automatically do it, I believe. But yeah, every state's a little bit different. I'm pretty sure Bruce is right. I think yours is similar to Florida. It's just a real simple process to do it. Okay. Uh, second question would be, as an investor, uh, do you pretty much have to complete the, the purchase transaction in order to resell it? It seems like it gets a little messy if you didn't have your end closed and you were trying to flip it. 
So you mean like flipping uh, flipping the contract? You would want to uh, instead of wholesaling yeah, it, or, you would or, want or to actually close and and do a joint a simultaneous closing, pretty much. Well, uh, I guess yeah, that's uh, the dilemma I got. Uh, um, sure, the the pure way is to close it uh, in your own name and then resell it um, to some to another investor. But I'm wondering if there's if you've done any others where you haven't closed it and found a buyer during that interim period. Uh, normally, I mean, there's there's a lot of you can wholesale it without without a problem um, as long as your contract is is tight. And I, I don't know what your um, contracts say, but but if they allow for a wholesale, um, then there's really no. Um, restriction that I know of, state dependent again, that would keep you from wholesaling it without closing. Um, personally, I close. So I rarely, rarely wholesale. I'll typically contract a property and close. And um, it, best case scenario in my world is I'll have the buyer lined up before I close. Um, that's yeah. best case scenario. I usually don't even market the property until I've closed and made my uh, made my repairs. Okay. And Bob, you, uh, I think there's a subtle, I think there's a subtle nuance there that that you're referring to. Like I, I, I know in Florida, if if I, you have to get permission to carve out the real estate, and you have to, I believe you have to submit the contract to the court. So, if you do that, then you come back a week later with another contract. I'm not sure if that if that'd be a red flag or not. It could be. I, what I would suggest is um, call the probate attorney and kind of. Ask him that. Just tell him what you have in mind and say, you know, first of all, do we need court approval? And if I get it under contract and decide to assign it, do we have to go back and get another approval or is it just automatic? I think that might be might be a little bit. I've never done that. I've uh, I've done assignments before, but it was after the probate was completed and the title had already changed hands. You know what I mean? It, yeah. it in some cases in some cases it might be better. Uh, depending on how long the probate's out, like if it was going to probate was going to be completed in a couple months, I'd probably just you know get it under contract and date it to close in a couple months rather than uh, okay. you know rather than rock the boat and call attention to the fact what yeah. you're doing. Now if it's if it's California, it's going to be a year down the road, but you know you might have a different situation. Yeah, and then getting another buyer into the property before you closed. I think uh, one of you guys said that you uh, you have the buyer lined up before you actually complete your close, but you, mm-hmm. you still have to That's get right. through yep. the property. They're going to want to look at the property, so you got to uh, you're going to have to go through the personal representative again, aren't you? To probably let you in each time you want to do that. Uh, uh, well, it depends what your contract says. So at this point, we're dealing with contract law versus um, versus uh, state law. So if your your contract says that you can access the property through such and such a lockbox, then you don't have to involve the PR in in that access. Um, but it, yeah. it all depends on what you're able to negotiate with that family or that PR. And Bob, what I have what I have done and what I've seen done. I've never bought anything that wasn't contingent on inspections. So when you go out there with your inspector, there might just be an extra person, you know, along for the ride that might be your end buyer. 
That's <laughs> so, a good idea. Yeah, yeah you don't have yeah, to, you're, you know, you don't need to introduce each person, but just bring them along for the ride. Let them get a, a look yeah. at the property that way without without rocking the boat. That's a, that's a good suggestion, and so was the uh, having it in your contract, uh, the right to access before closing, if, if you can get that through. Uh, that's a good idea uh, also. That was my Great. biggest challenge because you got to line up. Well, you got to make an appointment with the representative every time you want to bring somebody through. <laughs> and, yeah. that, you know, you can see the problems there. Uh, sure. It's going to be hard to uh, to uh, organize that. So that's good. I appreciate uh, giving me those answers. Thank you. All right. Well, we appreciate you. Thank you for uh, participating. Next up in the queue is phone number ending in 0271. You're up next. Hey, guys. How you doing? Um, this is Eamon from Boston. Um, I think, I, Jim, I think we spoke the other day. But um, uh, I started working probate about a month ago. And, uh, you know, we're starting to see uh, great engagement on the conversations, uh, a lot better than when I was uh, just wholesaling and signing contracts from, uh, you know, a number of different sources because, you know, the, the, the marketing now and the uh, conversations are uh, a lot more targeted to this niche. And, I've closed one probate deal in the past about a year ago. Uh, you know, I just found it on Facebook market. I wasn't even targeting probate, but, uh, because I didn't have that long-term interaction and these interactions are uh, probably going to be a lot different than most wholesalers or investors. I guess, what does the follow-up look like and what, what kind of conversations are you guys having over the long term, or you know, should we maybe have an expect, expectation to have? Uh, because you know, people are, resp- are in great response this first this first outreach campaign, but uh, the follow up is where we're scratching our heads a little bit. Like probate can take months. You know, I I, I really like the question before this. You know, what do we do with the real estate uh, in terms of selling it before the probate case is over? But uh, what do those conversations look like in follow-up? Like, just checking in, how are things going? Uh, what are, what have your guys' experience been? Uh, anybody else want to want to run with this one first? I've got some answers, but I uh, want to. I don't want to monopolize everything. Chuck, uh, Bruce, I was going to. I was going to repeat a lot of what you have said before. You know, have don't just call them back. Like, are you ready yet? Are you ready yet? Are you ready yet? Have a specific reason. You call them every time. You know, hey, I was just thinking about you. I was just wondering, want to make sure you had the property insured. You know, have you posted no trespassing sign? Had something of value? Is that what you're asking? Reasons to call them back after the first call? Yeah, yeah, I've heard of uh, some of the insurance, the winterization. I'm in, I'm in Boston, so it could get brutal out here. But yeah, like what kind of topics and subjects we can bring up so we're not we're we're having intention in these follow up calls. Yep. Yeah, those are my big yep. two. I'm sure Bruce has a dozen others. Go ahead, Bruce. Well, I mean, you could uh, you could reference uh, property uh, property cleanout. So, hey, you know, I have my um, property cleanout crew uh, making trips to the dump. They're uh, working up on a property in your um, in your area next week. I was wondering if you had anything that you'd like us to uh, take to the dump for you. Uh, I wondered if you had anything that you might want us to take to donation, goodwill for you. Um, Hey, you know, I was just having a conversation with my estate sale company, my preferred estate sale provider, and they were mentioning that um, they were currently running a special, 
and uh, and uh, wondered if you knew what you were going to do with the personal property yet. Um, winterize um, in the summer, uh, grass cutting. My uh, landscaper is going to be up there. Um, would you like them to swing by and give your grass a cut on my dime? Uh, that's one of the things I frequently do, uh, especially if it's a smaller yard. It's something that I know that I can get done for thirty bucks on a on a special. Um, and then I'll tell the landscaper, look, uh, you know, you 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 want seventy dollars. If I send you a property, do it for thirty the first time. I'll pay it. And then if they want you to keep doing it, you can go back and get your rate. Okay, so um, so I'll offer things like that. I'll also offer tips. Um, you know, I was thinking about you the other day, and uh, over the years I've noticed three main reasons that people um, uh, take too long in probate and, and lose money. Um, would you like me to send that uh, send those to you? Is email better or is is through the mail better? And I'm just kind of reminding them that I'm thinking about them, and. Ultimately, each conversation, as long as it goes reasonably well, you should end it with, hey, do you mind if I make a quick proposal? So assuming you haven't been in the house, you haven't met these people yet, they've kind of pushed you off, I would end it with, uh, would you mind if I make a quick proposal or a variation on, on that question? And when they say yes, which almost everyone's going to say yes, um, you're going to say, you know, uh, based on um, what you just told me, your timing, this and that, um, I think it might be beneficial or it might be a decent time to um, for me to run out, take a look at the house, and potentially give you a list of other things that I could just take off of your plate. Um, would that be beneficial to you? And if they say maybe or yes, uh, do you have any time next week to do that? Is daytime or evening better? So I'm always looking to call with a reason to provide some value, to offer something for free, to introduce them to a service that they didn't know about. And then I'm trying at the end of every single decent conversation to make a proposal. And and I don't just say, hey, let me make a proposal. It's always, do you mind if I make a proposal? Or do you mind if I make a recommendation? Is it okay with you if I ask a question? Those are the types of, of uh, lead-ins to, uh, to my ask that I'm going to make, and they're almost always going to say yes. Once they say yes, you can make your proposal. If they're not ready yet, put them on your list to follow up with another value piece of value um, later. And I, I'm going to do that for as long as they'll take my calls. Yeah, and it's a, it, it seems like it'd be a similar framework for uh, that that real estate offer proposal or the sales proposal uh, type of thing. And mm -hmm. now that you built that rapport, but really appreciate it, guys. That that really answers a lot of questions. All right. Well, we appreciate you participating. Thank you, sir. We have um, one more in the queue right now. We're still looking for our win of the week and our idea of the week. So don't be shy. We get a lot of people on the call. Just hit star six and hit one. In the meantime, next up is phone number ending in 0026. You're up next. Hi, uh, my name is Stephanie. I'm an investor. Hello, everyone. Um, hey there. <clears throat> hey, Stephanie. So I'm, so I'm pretty new to this. I don't have any properties yet. I haven't, haven't done any deals. Um, but when I make calls um, to probates in particular, I just started that recently, and one of the first things they'll say is, oh, we're, we're in probate. We can't sell it right now. So I kind of have heard that they can, but I don't know how to intelligently explain 
oh, well, in, in, and appropriately, without sounding pushy, how to explain that they can actually sell their property before uh, the probate is wrapped up. So I need some advice there. So I want you to reframe that that is an objection, and it's probably one that they truly believe. Um, and, mm-hmm. and number one, make sure that your state does allow them to sell the property before probate's done. Um, but assuming that you're one of the one of the um, forty, I'm in Texas. It's forty-six. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So in that case, you're going to um, you're going to reframe that objection. You're going to say, okay, so you guys were um, hoping to wait until probate was done before you sold, and uh, and now um, you're either going to get a yes, or they're going to say, well, no, I think we have to. And you go, oh, okay. Um, did your attorney tell you that? Because I've done quite a few deals um, without or helped quite a few families sell before probate was done. Um, what, what are your circumstances? And immediately kind of make a statement and then ask for their circumstances because you don't want to challenge them without ending mm-hmm. on a question that kind of shifts, um, shifts the focus. I never want to challenge someone without, um, without shifting the focus away from the, the challenge. So, um, okay. yeah, you know, I completely understand. Um, did your attorney tell you that? I've done. Um, I've worked with quite a few families that sold before probate was over. Uh, what are your circumstances? And now give them an opportunity to either explain their circumstances and uh, as to why they are correct that they can't sell, or um, give them a chance to save face. Well, yeah, no, my attorney didn't tell me that. Somebody else did. Um, gotcha. But the first things first is I want to reframe and I want to get them to um, either agree or disagree with, um, yeah, we don't want we don't want to sell until probate is done. Thank you. And most of the, the time they'll say, point. no, I'd like to sell. Go ahead. No, I didn't. Uh, so my second the second part of the question is um, I've also heard, but I don't know how true this is, is that. You, once you even even if you have a deal with someone who's still in probate, that the judge has to approve the the price being offered. Is that true, or is that just true in certain states? Or it's true. I can in certain I can start probate. Go ahead, Jen. I can you, start. You, I can you. start with that. Um, what state are you in, Stephanie? Texas. Yeah, I I don't know. In some, st- it, 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 I know in California and in a lot of states, it depends on whether the executor has full authority or not. If it's um, if the executor has full authority, then no, you, you you don't need court approval. I know in Texas, you can you can you can apply for full authority or partial authority. I know in situations where there is no appointed executor and the court appro- appoints somebody. Then yeah, you do have to go back and get court appointed. Um, I can tell you in Florida, um, I've seen and done a ton of them, and I, in you, you never need court authority. I mean, the only thing you need uh, uh, approval for is to close before the probate's over, and I think that's true in most states. I know Texas has a monument of title, which is similar to Florida, which lets you carve the real estate out, um, and I don't believe. In most cases, you're going to need um, you're going to need the court approval. Was this that someone just told you this as a general statement, or did you run into it on a on a particular deal? 
Um, I, I have not run into it. I just heard it as I've, I've just been researching, um, yeah. you know, probates. I, I just kind of read it somewhere, but didn't know how that worked. Yeah, you, my guess is you probably had an article that was written by a California attorney, if I if I had to guess. I could be wrong. Okay. But it'd be, I, I think in most cases it doesn't apply in Texas. Would you agree with that? My partners have anything that uh, you agree or disagree, Bruce? Uh, by and large, my understanding in Texas is that um, you don't need court approval. Um, there are right. some circumstances where, it, where it's absolutely needed, no matter what state you're in. Circumstances where a guardian, um, a guardianship attorney is appointed, or there's a guardian appointed because the heirs are underage. Um, or another reason would be that um, the heirs are um, mentally in, in, incapable of making a, an appropriate decision. So there are certain times when the court is going to um, going to step in and say, you have to have this approved by us because we, we, we need this to act on the best interest of um, someone who's not capable of making a, a, an appropriate decision. But um, if there's no special circumstance like that, Texas should not require court approval. Um, and there could be a uh, there could be a limited authority that that is used in Texas that um, that if it's done maybe the court needs to step in and be able to approve. But um, pretty much anybody that I know in Texas that's going to be setting probate up, um, they're usually going to have full authority unless one of the heirs, unless one of the primary heirs, um, isn't viewed as capable of making a good decision. Gotcha, yeah. Stephanie. Very I can helpful. I can tell you. Over... Go ahead. You said you had something you wanted to add, Tim. No, no, I was just saying that was very helpful. Oh, I thought that was Tim. <laughs> it sounded like his voice. I was going to say that. You know, that's a misconception. That Sorry about that, partner. I was, must have had a bad connection. Um, I, it is a misconception that I've heard a number of times over the years that, ah, you know, probate's too much of a hassle. You uh, you always got to get them top dollar. You always, and, you know, you have to, the court insists that you get uh, what the property's worth. And, it, and it's interesting that, what people assume is that people always want the most money because in you know most fisbos want the most money <laughs> you know for, but that's not necessarily true with probate a lot of times the the speed of getting it taken care of is more important than the dollars to them so you know you don't you almost never it, with a probate i find they're either you know, it's a standard listing, but they rarely, rarely want top dollar. And so there's no, not only is there no court approval that mandates that, but it's often not even what the executors want. They, you know, it, it is a really nice niche that way because very few people, you almost never need the court approval, but very few people even are looking to get every dollar out of it. It's more important the the time, you know, the speed, the time getting to settle quickly and divvying up the money is usually equally or more important than, you know, getting every last dollar out of the place. Just something that, that it's an interesting misconception we've heard before. I just wanted to share that. Thank you. Is there yeah. anybody Anything else? else? I, I can, I can no, no, yeah, please. I can you, you're, you'll probably be our last this week unless any, your last call, if anybody wants to jump in, hit star six and hit one. Otherwise, the floor is yours. Take your time, Stephanie. Thank you so much. So there's a property that a friend of mine told me about, and um, the situation was an elderly lady. She she fell ill, 
passed away. She has no heirs. I've searched and even gone as far as uh, Ancestry.com. Can't find any living heirs. No, no, you know, her ex-husband is dead. Obviously, her parents are gone. She didn't have any children. So I noticed that when I went to the county appraisal site, I noticed that there was a small amount of taxes owing. So I kind of followed the trail and called the attorney and they said, okay, they're going to initiate, you know, they're going to do a title search. Then they'll go and search for uh, relatives and then they'll advise me, you know, I I was the only interested party so far. So they said they would advise me. Yeah, but still, so, so I'm trying to think that, think of, think forward on this. It still would go to auction. So I'd still be up against other investors. Is there any way to, to, that you can think of where I don't have to, I can buy it outside of the auction process. Someone floated tax liens. I don't know anything about that. I'm just trying to figure out the best way for me to, you know, get the advantage on this, on this sale. Who? Yeah, I'll, I'll take a stab probate. at it first. Oh, go ahead, Bruce. Go ahead. Yeah, go you first. can take a stab, Jim, but I want to know who initiated probate if there's no one there. That's going to be my question as well. Yeah. Well, well, I'm, and and I may have misunderstood, but anyway, when I called the attorney, so it's there's a realauction.com, and then I called the attorney's office, the local attorney's office that you know puts puts properties up for auction. So I told them the situation, you know, they did look up in the records. They said, okay, it was homestead, but yes, she does owe a small amount of taxes. So that they they said that they would initiate. I forget the terminology, but basically they went and ran a title search. And then I followed up with them, and then they said they were going to go into check succession as well. And that once that's wrapped up, you know, that they would um, – that it would go to auction. Um, so it's not necessarily a probate. You, well, you didn't I mean, find it's 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 in our – Is it or is it not? Is it a probate? No, no, no. This was just a friend of mine no. told me about a friend – right. yeah, yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. I was assuming it. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think you only really have two options. You need to find any error, you know, down the line. Um, You know, you could do Google searches. You could go to Ancestry.com. You know, that's kind of a long shot. Um, You could find any error, and you could probably buy it cheap. Um, You're correct. If it does go to tax auction, you know, you are going to, ha- it is going to be a competitive bidding situation. At least maybe you have a little more knowledge than others of what's going on. Um, you know, if you, if there was an error and it was a situation where it was going to tax, um, a good strategy there is try to get the error before the tax sale. But in this case, you don't really have one. I don't know of anything mm-hmm. else you can do. You got to either find a legal error and buy it from them, or you would have to buy it at the tax sale. And, I, I know what you're talking about because, uh, and, and this is a good, just as a question that I don't know the answer to, but what happens if there is a tax sale and there's an overage? You know, if there's 10000 owed in taxes and the property goes for 50000 I suspect at some point the county just gets to keep the rest of that money if nobody comes and claims it. Do you, do you know the answer to that, Bruce? I believe, I suspect that that's the case, but I don't know the answer. I have one suggestion. That's my understanding for PA, too. Yeah. Yeah, I do have one suggestion. Hey, I have one suggestion. So one of the things that you might want to do, and and you you know physically where the house is, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. I went to pictures and everything, yeah. 
So and apparently the neighbors are. Here's another. Here's another snag. The neighbors were kind of fighting over it, according to my friend. So there may be squatters in there, um, but they didn't have the, you know, foresight to pay the taxes. So I think that kind of factors on my behalf too in the long run. But I'm sorry. Is the house in a development? Is it in a? Is it on a street development? Where is it? Um, it's in a. No, it's in a just a sub. It's an older house. It's in a subdivision. You know, just the way Texas properties are. But no, it's not. Right. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure exactly what you're asking me. Well, just that. I'm, my question was, you know, where is it, and is it on in a development? Is it somewhere? The reason I'm asking the question is that in some cases, and this is rare, but in some cases that's the case, is that the property reverts to if there is no owner at all, and there's a tax sale and all that sort of stuff that has to be there. Obviously, the tax entity will collect the tax from the tax sale, and it sounds like since it's a small one, there is likely to be an overage, and, and obviously that goes also if Jim and, and uh, Bruce that's going to go to the tax, whoever owns the tax, I mean, whoever the taxing municipality is. But the the question I had was, does the city or the county or whoever has jurisdiction over this, do they have any uh plans or designs for that property. And the reason I'm saying that is that sometimes they uh, might have a plan for converting it to some other form of use. Uh, if it's a house that, as you said, it's got squatters in it, it may also be a house that there are you know, a history of problems in and that sort of thing. I think maybe if you could get with code enforcement uh, for the city, go go ask if there have been any code enforcement uh, things served at all in the last 10 years on that property. And oftentimes code enforcement will do, will have done the digging for you. If they couldn't find the lady, they may have tried to serve it and they may have found somebody else to do it. Ask for any code enforcement violations. Good idea. Thank you. And, and see who was served, right? Yeah, exactly. See who they, see who yep. they served, who served, what address they sent it to. Was there a holder in, and did the lady die in the home, or did she die in assisted living? If she if she didn't die in the home, find out where she was from an assisted living standpoint. They may have the ability to reach to some heirs as well. Ah, okay. How about this? I was thinking about calling the funeral home too. Yeah, I mean, you know, call. You think about yep. the you're trying to find somebody, pull out all the stops. But those are some less conventional ones. You kind of did the right thing going on ancestry and legacy and all that. But, you know, the funeral home, where find out where she died, find out what else the city might be able to tell you. And they have all kinds of records. And it's very likely that the data, if there is, in fact, an heir, and the truth of it is, almost nobody doesn't have an heir. It may be distant. It may be super distant. But, uh, you know, there's a long-lost cousin, Sally, somewhere. And if you can find long-lost cousin, Sally, uh, and, you know, perfect this uh, yourself before you get there, then you got this handled, you know. Find Sally, cut a deal with her, make a deal with her, and then, you know, get it done. You so know, Stephanie, you may have it, just... Go ahead, finish. Uh -huh. Sorry. No, no go I was going to say, is, is, so if you find somebody who's distant, how how broad does it need to go? So if Sally has a sister, and I mean, does it have to go, or is it just locating the one heir 
Well, no, if you find one, you may find more than one. You may find more than Mm -hmm. one, but you got to at least find one. Otherwise, you know, I think the truth of this is you don't have a shot. If you don't find someone who has standing in this property, you're really wasting your Mm -hmm. time right now. Yeah, what I started to say, you know, you may have come up with the best, simplest answer, and I, I maybe you've already done this, but you know the owner's name, right? You can see from the tax record who the who the owner was. Yes. Mm-hmm. And do you know that you know for a fact that they're deceased? Oh yeah, I saw the obituary. There's no there's no relative's name there. There was a funeral ah. home, so. Darn yeah. it. I was I was gonna say go find the obituary online. It'll almost <laughs> always mention oh, that would have been too easy. It'll always mention survived by it. There was nothing like that in the obituary, huh? No, there was it's just surprising, not a single name. So Ah start it. Okay. Never mind. Might find, one other thing you might find is if in the obituary, you know, it said that, you know, she was a longtime member of XYZ Church. Call the church. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And even ah, if it doesn't, doesn't list, yeah. did, did it list the church in the obit? I think it did. I remember a Methodist church being listed. Well, there you go. That's a great way to do it. That's they're they're as likely as anybody else to do that. And even to the point of you know, if if you guys can help me find the heir, you know, I'm I'm sure that we might be able to find something in it for the church. They'll help you. <laughs> Make, the Make a big donation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, that's great. Uh, does that help? Boy, that we really took that yeah. down a rabbit hole, but we came out with some solutions. We, I would love yeah. to hear how this turns out, Stephanie. I really would. I and would definitely want to, you know, I don't know why I'm so obsessed with this, but I am just determined to to get this yeah. property. Just, hey, you know. <laughs> hey, you know, hey, that's how you know an idea obsession. That's how a lot of good things start, man. Don't. May, not man, but ma'am. Don't give up on it. Keep working on it. Let us know how it turns out. <laughs> All right. I will. Thanks so much. All right. All right. All right. Thank you. And I want to thank each and every one of you for being here today. We had a good turnout. I want to thank Mike and Bob and Pat and Stephanie for actively participating. And I want to challenge each of you. Take one thought, one idea, one thing that inspired you on this call. Go out and put it into practice. And please come back next Thursday and share the results with the group. Have a great week, everybody. Have a good Halloween with your kids and family. We will talk to you same time next Thursday. Take care.